This is Eastman's Elevated Podcast. I have on great guests that are really knowledgeable, consistently successful. We're able to dive deep down the rabbit holes of these different subject matters of shooting, of physical fitness, of mental toughness and drive. All the different skills that make up a complete hunter that you can become. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So on today's podcast, I have back on my friend Travis Nowatney. So Travis is just one of those guys that's consistently successful. And he's consistently successful on a bunch of different species in a bunch of different habitats, tough to hunt states. Like you name it, he's up to the challenge. Uh, I've kept up with Travis Because the last few years, at least, we've been friends. And, um, man, he just works tirelessly at his craft. He figures out a way to get it done. He just has great insight. And this year, he's drawn three really good limited-entry bull tags. So we talk about each different one at season, how he's going to attack it. We also talk about uh, an Alaska moose hunt do-it-yourself that he's put together uh, for this season as well. So it's going to be the season of the bulls for Travis, and it just made for this great conversation and insight into hunting elk in different places. So uh, I really enjoyed it. I think you guys will enjoy it too. I want to thank my sponsors for today's show. I want to thank Onyx. Onyx has changed the way that I scout and hunt. Uh, So many great features on Onyx and before season, I'm just trying to run through my checklist of things to do. So I'm making sure that I catch my maps. So save my maps of the areas that I'm going to hunt. Make sure those are downloaded in high res. So when I get on the hunt, I have those maps, whether I have service or not. Uh, I'm also marking waypoints. Um, I I begin to get a little bit more organized with my color coding, which year it is, and then really labeling my waypoints so it makes sense when I look at it. So just a few things that I'm working on. I also found this new feature they came out with. Uh, where you can click on the compass and then uh, you can hit the spot with your rangefinder and use your compass to point right at it and mark the spot of a bedded deer. So it's going to be a really cool feature that I'm uh, going to put to use this season. So if you're in the market, make sure to go check them out. It's the best hunt tool you can have on X. I also want to thank Silencer Central. So uh, Silencer Central makes uh, hunting silencers for your rifle. Uh, So the... The, the best one for us hunters is the Banish. Um, so that that backcountry Banish comes in at a low weight. And a silencer can really help as, um, you know, as you shoot once, uh, the it, it definitely lessens the noise that that rifle makes so that animal's more apt to stick around for a second shot. Uh, it reduces recoil, so going to make you more accurate. And then also, you know, you don't have to worry about your loss of hearing so much as uh, like some of the other um, with like a muzzle brake. Man, those things are so loud. Um, so, you know, it helps with that as well. So I think it's a great tool for the backcountry. I'm going to be trying one out. Silencer Central will help you get all your paperwork done. Silencer Order, they're really good at helping walk you through the process. So make sure to go check them out over at Silencer Central. Then I also want to thank Juniper Mountain Coffee. 
Uh, Juniper Mountain Coffee is a new sponsor to Eastman's Elevated, um, but just great guys that really care about their roast. They actually go down to Panama and source their roast themselves, so there's not a, a coffee vendor in the middle. So you just get the best roast. They've got like a couple really good ones, uh, the Trail Boss and then the, the Camp Cook, Camp Chef. Like Those are two really good roasts that I like. And um, they also have some cold brew in cans, so I'll be checking that out here shortly. And then I'm really looking forward to the instant for hiking in. Uh, but Brandon Mason of the office there uh, was able to go on Amazon and buy some tea bags and then fill them with that coffee for his instant this season. So I'll probably be taking a page out of his book for that. Uh, but make sure to check these guys out. They're hunters, um, uh, great small company, great guys over at Juniper Mountain Coffee. I also want to thank Black Ovis. Black Ovis is an internet retail shop with everything you need for your next hunt. Uh, they have some great deals on there. You can also save 10% with the code ELEVATED10. Uh, so they have all the top name brands as well as their own name brand and produce absolutely everything you need for your next hunt. So you can go check those guys out over at Black Ovis. Also check out Camo Fire. Camo Fire is that app with 80 new hunting deals that come up every 24 hours. Uh, great app where you can really save a pile of money on overstock gear, and that's over at Camo Fire. And with that, over at Eastman's, um, getting a, a bunch of writing projects here. Just finished out an article this morning. It's um, Sunday, getting this podcast out to you guys. I got a busy week, so um, just finished one up this morning, and then. Um, yeah, but it seems like I've got a bunch of projects for the next Eastman's Hunting Journal, the next Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. I know Dan Picard is slated in those as well. So check us out at the magazines. Check out the Beyond the Grid. I just saw the first edit for a high country hunt that I did last season. So um, yeah, Dan Picard's two big bulls are out, and um, that mule deer one will be the next one to drop. So be on the lookout for that. And um, make sure to go check out the other podcasts that Dan Picard and I are doing, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. Um, it's coming really good. It's on a different feed. You have to search for it, but uh, really proud. There's like 10 episodes now. Uh, Going to release another one after this podcast. But um, yeah, man, that's what I'm up to, like getting ready for season here. So um, with that, let's get into this podcast. It's a great conversation with Travis Nowatney. I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Yeah, for sure. Well, dude, um, congratulations on drawing the tags. Um, we were able to connect at the Western Hunting Summit, which was really fun um, being able to shoot with you and then um, hang out with the guys. But yeah, it sounds like you got some elk tags this year, man. Yeah, it's one of those things, you know, you go your whole life waiting for a limited entry tag and, um, you know, you put in, put your name in the hat across all the states and you never, you never think that you're going to draw multiple tags at the same time and that's kind of what i did this year i ended up getting three bull tags and it's just the good thing is i was smart enough to like you know in the case of you know that i actually do draw one i spread them all out but it's still like it's it's going to be a lot you know so got nevada utah and arizona um all at different time frames i got two late season archery bull tags and then that nevada early season uh bull tag so it's going to be a, a riot say the least so dude that's such good drawing luck uh those premium bull tags are really tough like hunting elk with a bow is really popular and it seems like those real premium tags are tough to get by but like the good thing is is like you know you've spent your whole life honing your craft as a bow hunter and honing your craft at these elk and you hunt them 
Like, it seems like your tags, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're kind of like prior to the rut and then after the rut. And so you're using like a lot of the skill sets you'd use for mule deer that you've used for elk over the years hunting Idaho, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's definitely a little different. Like I've, uh, I'm questioning myself a lot. Like I've been down in Nevada, just like scouting and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I'm finding bulls and I, I found some really good bulls and stuff like that. And I'm like, are these elk going to be here? Come like, you know, cause my hunts like August, the middle of August to the end of August. And I'm like, are, you know, I'm like in my head, I'm like, are these elk going to like move to rut? Like what's, you know what I mean? So it's definitely a level of, there's a lot of unknown. So I'm trying to just make sure that I have plenty of backup plans in case, you know, a big bull that I'm honed in on decides to strip his velvet and then just leave the country in search of cows, you know, but I'm thinking I got a small window there anyway. <laughs> it's so smart. It's like uh, just playing all the different scenarios that could happen. But yeah, it's like a rare tag in Nevada as it opens really early. And I think they actually scooted those dates back a bit from like, I hunted it with a buddy Nevada a couple years ago, a different unit, maybe like three years ago or so. And I think the dates for that, I don't even think carried into September. When are, when are your dates or when does that open, Travis? It's August 16th through August 31st. Oh, wow. So. Maybe that is the same dates that we had. Yeah, I think um, I think you're spot on. Like, it's good to to uh, kind of weigh all the variables and, like, figure out, like, backup plans and things. But I think you're right in that you're going to have a window where you're scouting these bulls to where they're going to hang. I do think they're going to strip their velvet and go hardhorn, but they seem to kind of hang in that same kind of rough and rugged country until the rut starts in September. But, you know, but like that's it's all just uh, bro science and theory right now, right, until you actually get there. Oh, yeah. I'm just hoping they'll hang around for, man, you know, that's just, you don't know if they're going to, I don't know, like, you know, every, like, the elk that I hunt in my home state, like, um, they're not usually there. And then, like, come the rut, you know, all these elk pour out of the high country and end up in this one area that's just, like, rutting grounds, you know. And uh, in this, the, the unit that I have over here, it's just all the country is really good elk country everywhere. And I guess the good thing is I have seen a handful of cows in the area that these bulls are hanging. So I'm thinking that they'll be there. So, man, how awesome. Uh, you've been seeing some good bulls down there. They're probably starting to shape up or getting pretty close to like finishing out maybe another month or so, or a couple weeks. Yeah. So I, I was down last weekend. It was the first weekend I've been there since they were like, uh, grown out enough to really get a good idea of what they were. And I, I found one really, really good bull, you know, um, you know, the, pushing a 370 type bull, you know, one of those bulls that would absolutely love to be able to get on. So I'm hoping that I can find a couple of different bachelor groups of bulls with some really, you know, some older bulls in it. So now that I found him, I'm kind of, I'm going to head down actually this afternoon and go, uh, scout this evening and then, uh, all day tomorrow and hopefully just, yeah, just turn up some, some backups. So right on. So like, um, scouting, you're treating it like similar to to mule deer it sounds like um because you know where you find these bulls is where you'll be hunting them come season which would be the same for mule deer so like man finding a giant 370 is incredible man like it, when they start to get over 350 that that's just a big bull but 
but so you're like spending time scouting, putting in your time now, trying to figure out where these bulls are at, what their patterns are, and then hope to come back down during your season. And then, you know, your tactics will, well, I mean, obviously will be all spot and stock or uh, even like a little bit of like, like ambush or trying to get in front of the herd, but pretty much all on your feet, right? Yeah, that's, that's essentially. It's kind of, you know, my plan is to basically just be kind of spot and stock. And I'm hoping that, you know, now that I found, uh, once I find like uh, a handful of good options, you know, I'm going to go and try to keep tabs on them a little bit as it gets a little closer and just see, you know, if there's kind of pattern to what they're doing, you know, their feeding patterns or, you know, it seems like right now, like you're sticking in a pretty small area. So, you know, I'll start looking at train feature saddles and the water in the area and things like that and kind of try to formulate a plan, you know, thinking that, you know, if I see this bull on this hillside, you know, mid-afternoon, there's a good chance he's going to go down here and water in the evening or come out at these aspens in this opening and feed. So I'm just going to try to use that to my benefit and, you know, uh, yeah, just try to hone in a plan. But for the most part, yeah, I'll be using mule deer tactics, I think. So, yeah. So, um, Probably like, uh, uh, you know, definitely like trying to be able to figure out where they head, where they're headed and then trying to either get in front of them or cut them off. Yeah, that sounds like a good, like good tactics to use. And those bulls, they, they just don't stock much different than a mule deer. It's just like, um, you know, in that open terrain, there's just not always a stock in that stuff. Sometimes with those elk, you have to wait for them to get in the right position. So, like probably your game plan is to to be able to sit where you have like a good visual of these elk and then you know wait for them to get to a spot where you think you can close in. Do you do you see yourself using any different tactics that you've used in open country bulls before, or are you going to be fairly aggressive when you see this elk, or are you going to sit back and be more patient? I don't know you to be like uh, you're really patient, really good bow hunter, but it seems to me like you see a bull and make a play at a bull like similar to what I do. Are you going to play it any different there for that type of hunt? Uh, well, you know, I'd like to be more aggressive like I normally am, but this country there's like just looking at, you know, the little that I've watched the elk and what they're doing, like, um, they really use these really thick quaking aspen patches. And, you know, when they get up to feed in the morning or, well, you know, the morning's where I'm going to see them the longest, but like, say like in the evening where I feel like I'm really going to be able to get my plays, um, you know, they're going to come out from where they're bedded into the, out into the open. So I'm going to have a small window to get over there, you know, not to mention there's going to be a, a, since it's a bachelor group of elk, there's usually going to be a bunch of other elk too. So I think, you know, and it, it's like, say it's a little different than what I normally, and I feel like I'm going to be playing a little more patient, like, you know, making sure that, you know, this bull's in an area when he comes out and I make the, the transition across the canyon to get over there that I can keep my eyes on him. Cause I think that's, what's going to be the toughest part of this hunt is keeping the wind right. And then getting, um, in front of the elk or wherever to put a stock on them in this grove of aspens. Cause there's just like, it's really like, like 70% of it is really thick aspen. And then that, you know, my opportunities are more than likely going to be in the open. And, and as long as I can uh, have a visual on them, I know I'm going to have a good opportunity, but I mean, it's really hard to, 
you know, make a very precise stock when it's, you don't know where the bull's at. So that's what's going to be the challenge, I think, of this hunt. So, Oh, that makes sense, Travis. Um, so many similarities. Uh, it just ups your odds so much when you can actually see the game that you're chasing, like know exactly where it is. Like keep your eyes on them and um, keep tabs on the mannerisms and the movements and whether they're alerted to danger, whether they're feeding. And then just always to know their exact positioning because those, you know, those bulls or those elk, they move country. And so by the time you get to where that bull is, he's probably moved. And so, yeah, I think you're spot on, uh, like trying to keep eyes on them as you're making a play. And it also makes sense to be more patient because, um, not all the terrain or the landscape is going to lend itself to stalking because once they get in those thick trees with all those bulls and all their eyes in there, if you go into those thick aspens, you know, then uh, uh, you, it turns into a low percentage where you might blow them out of there. And also it seems like being more patient is going to be like a, a tactful advantage also because like you're chasing one bull, you know, and so you really don't want to blow them out of the country or have to start over. You'd like to get it right on your first play on them, even if that takes a couple days to get that play. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Since I'm targeting, you know, uh, this is one of those tags, I'm not just targeting any solid bullets. Like I want to kill the biggest bull in the mountain that I've scouted. So it's, it's, there's no room for error in the fact that I can't, I can't risk blowing that bull out of the country. And then I I have, you know, at that point, the bulls have stripped their velvet. You know, they've run a little tighter program. They don't have to be out in the open, you know, because they're in the velvet and stuff like that. Uh, they're just going to be able to flat hide for sure. And it's going to be a really hard time turning up a big bull if I, if I just go in there and not have a really solid plan and confident in what I'm doing. Um, I really think that... Um, ambushing is probably going to be yeah i don't know we'll see as i walk as it goes on you know as it gets closer and you know maybe the elk will be in a, a little different area or something like that where it's a little more uh set up for stalking and stuff like that but i really feel like it's going to be like i'll watch the bull come out into an opening and i'm going to try to guess his next move by you know reaching you know circling and getting on the other end of the meadow or you know, there's some trail systems through there because it's fairly thick. So maybe they'll, you know, I can anticipate them going, uh, hitting one of those trails to go to the next opening. Or maybe there's a seep or a spring over there where that bull early like that might have the urge to wallow, you know, where I can I can see that bull stand up and say, you know, he's he's uh, 400 yards from that wallow right there. Like, there's a good chance if I get the wind right and go down there and, and set up, you know, that bull might come in there to wallow before dark, you know, so. Man, it's such a chess match, isn't it? Like with the big bull, man, you're going to have an absolute riot. It's tough. Um, you know, I like ambush tactics on elk for sure. It just seems like it's tough to like keep that wind right while you're trying to set up for an ambush, you know? Like I understand. I, I like what you stated, like seeing him get up, knowing that he's going to come to water, come to a wallow, and trying to beat him there, or seeing he's on a trail and trying to ambush him on that trail. But as far as like coming out to a meadow to feed for the evening, which – 
you know, the evening is such a great time to kill a bull, which I, I think, like, I feel like you think the same way as I do is once those mountains or foothills get shaded, you know, then you know you got that downhill thermal that you can count on. It's, I kill a lot of elk in the evening as it seems like the, the morning, the winds are just so fickle. Uh, but it's, um, it's tough. It's never a guarantee with a big animal, whether that's a mule deer or an elk. Like uh, finding a big one is is like only half the battle or a third of the battle. You know, the the next part of the battle is like the chess match of trying to get close because their instincts are so keen and they're so good at catching hunters moving in. But uh, it, it's not like we kill every animal we find, right? No. Oh, I wish that was the case. It would be pretty impressive, I think. <laughs> but, to look back at all the all the almosts, you know. So uh, the, this particular area that I'm hunting, like, there's just a ton of bulls, and and uh, this one's it's like, I was talking to my buddy Rick the other day about it, and it's just like I, I I'm gonna go scout a completely different area that's more set up to my style of hunting, and hope, hopefully I can find a really big bull there because I just know so I you know over the years I've kind of honed my skills to where if I can find a bull in that open country and I can see him like, you know, most of the time, like, uh, I'm going to kill that bull if it's set up that way, you know, when it's, it's set up with playing cat and mouse. Cause they're only out for the last little bit of, um, the evening. And then in the mornings, the wind's so finicky and you're catching them as they're going back up to bed. Like it's going to be a, a lot tougher. So hopefully I can just find several bulls in the type of country I want to hunt. Um, you know, and 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 really focus on that but if not i'm just gonna take what i i'm given and uh it's just i feel like it's gonna it's not gonna be a slam dunk i'm really gonna have to work so (laughs) it makes sense uh good on you like uh what a great scouting plan too it's um you know it's when i find a big buck it does me no good to just go in there multiple weekends and look at that one big buck uh, like you're doing, uh, uh, scouting different areas, looking for a different bull. It's like once I find a good buck or a good bull, it's like, great, okay, there's one. Now you know. Now I want to go find a backup plan or another one. It's like the more knowledge you can take in, it's just the better prepared you're going to be like once season gets there. So I think that's a really smart play, and I like what you said too. You know, it's like all your years of experience. What a what a great year to draw premium elk tag as you've really honed your skills like uh, hunting and harvesting big mule deer and elk and like so much hunting experience that, you know, you're just a wealth of knowledge. And so like, um, you know, you come into this hunt pretty well prepared to set your sights pretty high and then um, – you know, match wits with these bulls and see if you can get one killed. But I definitely agree with you. There's there's like a, a landscape or, or country that you hunt that really lends itself to bow hunting, that's really broken country that you can move in the coolies and canyons or underneath a fold, and you can kind of take what the elk give you and kind of creep in. And if they're not in the right spot, you hold up and then wait for them to go over a rise and close in some more so that – that open country is so conducive to spot and stalking bulls and the country that I, that I prefer, they just, you just don't always find them in that country, but, um, elk do like open terrain. And so, you know, hopefully I'm sure you'll turn up some other elk in this, uh, in that stockable country. It's just a matter of whether you turn up a great big one or not. Yeah, I think, I think so. It seems like 
so the area that I'm in now, it's like the elk definitely find safety. They're there because the safety of the aspens and the thick cover that they can escape to, you know, and there's good water and good feed. In this other area I'm going to go to, it's really steep and, and more open, and they find safety in the, the steep terrain, you know, and having the the advantage of uh, being able to see and then the steep country, you know. So I think it's going to be a lot harder working, you know, that steep country, but I feel like it's a lot, it's set up, definitely set up better to kill them, you know. If I can keep my eyes on them, like, that, you know, they're going to slip up at some point, and you can really get the wind right you know, in that open country and uh, just being able to, you can really just do an exact precise stock when you know exactly where the animal is. And I feel like that's always helped me over the years, you know, like whenever things seem to be most difficult, it's when, you know, you're stalking in blindly. That's where it's really tough. So, man, that's where that like still hunting skill set comes in. But yeah, it definitely turns to a lower percentage stock when you have to relocate them. You're not sure where they're at. There's more cover. And like you say, you know, I think when we hunted that Nevada country for bulls, we also found them in the steep, uh, gnarly country. And, the, you know, they'd come out in a shoot or a slide, but they just wouldn't stay out very long. And it was just that first light, last light. And so, you know, you find yourself just hustling at last light to try to make a play on one. So it was definitely like a higher degree of difficulty. But, yeah, those those elk um you know you stated you think they're in there because of the pressure and they use that as security and i think you're right like i think you know these elk nowadays are definitely using habitat differently like where you know i've spot and stalked by glassing up bulls and making plays on them on their feet on their feeding features how i kill the majority of my bulls whether that's morning shadowing the herd as they're moving through like broken open country or in the evening when they're coming out to feed in those in those meadows and parks but i found myself last year like um hunting more timber and i still like don't like to go into the thick timber after elk and especially not while they're bedded but where i found success was going in after them uh, in the thick timber, like when they were still on their feet, when they were moving from bedding to feeding, but they just wouldn't, they weren't in the meadows at daylight. They were in the timber, but they were great big bulls and a bunch of numbers in there. And so I was kind of forced to chase them in there. And so I just used like an echo locate a lot where I'd hear them bugle and then I try to like, I try to figure out exactly where that bull's at. Like, oh, he's a couple hundred yards in front of me. He's over that rise. And then I'd move a little bit and then really slow when I was coming up to that rise to make sure those elk were there. And, um, you know, it actually worked pretty well where I'll use that tactic a lot more. But that's where, like, some of that still hunting skill set comes into play. And that still hunting, like me and you definitely don't do a lot of still hunting. A lot of ours is, like, spot and stock. But... It's always still hunting when you're stalking the last couple hundred yards and you have to relocate that animal. So you get pretty good at like still hunting those last couple hundred yards. But yeah, you'll you'll um you'll have to get there and and Travis like one of your best attributes like is like being able to adapt to the conditions you're given. Like it seems like these hunts we make these plans and it just never like goes as we wrote the script, it's like always different and you're always having to adapt. And like that creative thinking or problem solving is such a huge component of being consistently successful. So there's no doubt in my mind that you're going to have to get there and have some major problem solving to do. But it sounds like you're working out a lot of those issues in your head right now as you're scouting. Yeah, it's definitely going to 
I think it's going to be a little different than what I'm used to, but you know, that's what makes it, uh, fun. Just the challenge of a new hunt and using different techniques and, and brainstorming and coming up with a plan. And, you know, I, I really feel confident that in the end it'll work out, you know, I'll put in the work and work hard to make sure that I can capitalize. So hopefully, hopefully that is the case. So hundred percent. Like, don't you think like, uh, you know, I talked about that's your biggest attribute is being able to adapt, but it's like this multifaceted, uh, uh, endeavor, like this bow hunting, you know, and there's so many different skills that come into play. So you're right. Like your ability to grind, to put in the effort, to, to work hard, to have the right mindset, like, uh, uh, if I was to put my thumb on, like, the most important thing of bow hunting, like, that's it, right? It just all starts and ends with the mind and the reason you've been successful so much over the years. Yep. Yeah, I would totally agree to that. So, yeah, I love going into a hunt and just, just trying to develop the best plan I can and give myself the best opportunity from the get-go. And then once you get there, it's just a matter of hard work and just, you know using your brain a little bit and trying to adapt to the situation and come up with, uh, if things aren't working, just, just, you know, what can I do next? Uh, what, you know, what are the, what am I missing here? You know, if, if I get there, I know there's going to be days that I'm stumped and I don't know what to do, you know, and it's just going to be putting myself in that situation and waiting for an opportunity to unfold that kind of tells me exactly what I need to do by, you know, letting the, the hunt kind of, point me in the direction that I need to be because not every hunt's going to be the same in the sense that, you know, you're going to go there and you're going to spot this bull and you're going to stalk it. There's going to be plenty of days that, you know, I probably don't even spot a bull and stuff like that. And I'm, you know, working for that opportunity or he comes out late. But I think in this particular situation, like not forcing it is actually going to be better because this isn't going to be like a mule deer hunt where, you push this bull and he just goes to the next basin, you know, and I can turn him up again. I think this thing's, you know, a big, a big old bull like this, you know, uh, you know, one or two plays and it's probably, that's probably all I'm ever going to get. So. Mm, it makes sense. It's, um, it's good to work through these issues or these challenges that you're going to face before you get on a hunt to, you know, and to scout and to get yourself in that country just gives you such a leg up come season. Like scouting is so important, but you know, the, what it's also doing is like, it's giving you the ability to think about this hunt and to think about the challenges you're going to have, like not being the rut, the challenges with the steep terrain, the challenges with the thick cover. And so, you know, you can kind of work through a lot of these problems problems and issues or how you're going to handle them like prior to getting there and not that it's going to unfold exactly like you planned but at least like you kind of have a solution in your head it seems like bow hunting you just can't give up and you've got to like keep this this positive mental attitude and like you just know that there's going to be highs and lows on the hunt and so you have to weather the lows and then hunt through the highs but yeah you know you're going to have to adapt at some point or come up with a new game plan but yeah just keeping your head in the game is such like a a major component of it and so yeah and, and like uh like we were talking about now you don't just have one elk hunt or one premium elk hunt this year. You've got multiple. So after that, you know, you'll probably roll into some of your Idaho hunts. I'm sure you've got a deer and an elk tag there. And then, um, and then you've got like kind of a mid season elk hunt, right? Or like kind of post rut. Is it October or November? Your next one? So my, my next elk hunt would be, uh, November. So it's, and then the one after that's in December. So just both late season hunts, uh, 
Yeah, those are going to be the tricky hunts, I think. It's going to be one of those things, yeah, I got the opportunity and the great unit, you know, where there's really big bulls, but, you know, I'm hunting at the, the toughest season. So, once again, it's going to be it's going to be work. But, you know, being able to uh, have a tag in one of these units is more important to me than hunting the best season. So, I, I just, I'm at the point, I feel like in my life that, uh you kind of take what you can get. I don't want to just keep putting in for that that primo hunt, you know, in the ideal season, and then uh, next thing you know, I'm dead. So I want to. I want the opportunity now. So I'll take whatever I can get. So man, it's so smart. It seems like us bow hunters that do find success. Yeah, we're uh, we pull the trigger on units. We pull the trigger on points, and we don't hang on to it because the the future isn't promised, like uh, like you're stating. But also, it's like you know, tags are getting tougher and tougher to come by, and point creep comes into play. And some of these units that I got to hunt, you know, in my younger years, I'll never get to hunt again. So thank goodness I pulled the trigger on those, and you know, didn't wait. But you know, there's places like you know, 55 Gunnison that I'll never hunt again. You know, it just won't ever draw the tag, won't ever have the points. And then, you know, like Unit G in Wyoming is getting so tough to draw. I'm not sure I'll ever see that one again. You know, there's all these places that I've gone that I've been able to hunt that I may never hunt again. And so it's an awesome opportunity. And it's not just the tag you have. It's like the skill set that you've built, you know. So you've built your whole life building this this bow hunting skill set. So, you know, drawing one of these tags, you're coming in really well prepared to make something happen. And and yeah, I I know what you're saying. It's like uh it'd be nice to have a middle of the rut best unit in the country, but it's just not in the cards. Like you don't draw those like I've never drawn one, you know, and and I don't yeah. think you have either. And so it's just not well, in the cards. So you start looking at other opportunities at drawing these in the off season. So good for you like pulling the trigger on a November hunt. And so you're right. November elk is the toughest season to hunt elk as they're like, you know, putting away after the rut. But I do find like I built a lot of my experience in, you know, Montana general rifle season during November in that tough season to hunt bulls. And it just took grit and toughness like you had the snow and the cold, which, you know, I don't think you'll be dealing with a lot of that. Um, in the units that you drew, but uh, still you got the snow and the cold and the big mountains and having to put forth effort. And it seems like those bulls, from what I've learned, is they return to a lot of these same like summer areas or they return to like real rough, rugged country. And it kind of reminds me of like hunting, you know, late September, early October mule deer where you have to look at a bunch of different drainages in a bunch of different places. Like you may have to look over 25 drainages and there may not be bulls in 24 of them, but you have to find the one where the bulls are hanging out because they'll be bachelor herd together running solo or in twos. And then, you know, they're just going to find these basins or these canyons that don't get much pressure where they can put weight back on and get their health back after the rut. And so, uh, it's going to be like a really fun opportunity for you, you know, to be able to be in one of the best units with great big giant bulls and then like just covering country to locate them. So um, are you getting any time to scout these units or is this going to be something where, uh, you know, the bulls will be there as they get in the late season? So you're just going to show up and have like a good game plan and start covering country looking for them. Yeah, so I've been just. I've been on and off Google Earth like crazy just as I get time, just making notes and marking vantage points and things like that. And 
you know, of course, one thing that's pretty nice when you get these limited entry hunts like this, like people are pretty willing to give you information because they know that they're never going to get the tag again, too. So um, I'll, I'll put a bunch of effort as it gets a little closer to talk to some people that may had maybe, you know, hunted it and stuff in the past just to get a, a good starting point, you know, just uh, but for the most part, like when I get there, it's going to be boots on the ground and, uh, you know, just 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 working it um just just doing like you would on most of my out-of-state hunts where i show up and it's just once you're there that's your time slotted and you got to just work hard and locate the elk and and uh, make an opportunity so i feel like on those late hunts like that it's not going to be like this early season hunt where you know i'm I'm looking for the biggest bull in the mountain it's going to be like there's a solid big bull i'd be happy with that bull you know you, you you can't you can't I mean, if you want to be successful, I feel like you need to just go after the best opportunities, you know. So if, if don't, I, I won't be uh, chopping around for the biggest bull at that point, you know. It'd be yeah, I want to kill a big, big bull, but it's going to be if the best bull I can find is a, a big old three forty type bull, you know, that's the bull I'm going to be going after because the opportunities and are, it's just going to be a lot tougher season. So yeah, you have to be in. Opportun- you have to be opportunistic, right? When you're a bow hunter, it's like, um, yep. you know, and you have to find a, a line or a level that you're happy with. But yeah, I mean, on a late season hunt like that in a unit you've never hunted to to shoot for the stars or to kill a 375 inch bull, uh, you know, you may go home with a unpunched tag or not even see a bull of that caliber in that tough season to hunt. So I'm with you. It's like, you know, and in my life and in my elk hunting career. It's, you know, and it seems like, you know, I don't know that I can trust everybody's score out there on bulls. It seems like some people just guess at the score, add 20 inches to it. But in in my experience, like, you know, 320 to 360 inch bulls get me excited. And to me, that's a great big six point, big dark horn, horn mature bull like 320s to 360s, I'll chase those for the rest of my life and be completely content and happy. And if it if it works out where I get to chase a bigger bull or find and and uh, get the opportunity to harvest a bigger bull, like I'll be elated. But uh, for me, it's like a 320 to 360 still gets me extremely excited and fires me up to go hunt elk hard every single year. And I get to hunt like a lot of great units. Like uh, I think sometimes hunting those big bulls wouldn't be as much fun as like hunting some of my mountain units where I see, you know, a bunch of shooter bulls or have multiple opportunities and get to chase those uh those big six points that i like to chase so for me like i'll chase a 320 to 360 that's a that's a big bowl in my eyes or the places that i hunt that'll get me excited till the day i die for sure oh yeah i'm you know i'm I'm from idaho here so you know most of the bigger bulls that i find are like you know 320 to you know the rare through 350 bull that you know what i mean that's that's i don't even see that every year you know what i mean like uh most of the time it's it's the big the big herd bulls are 330 type bulls you know which are a great bull so it's going to be a little different going to these other states where you know they just make them a little bigger and i'm hoping that on these late season hunts when i get there and i find that bachelor group of bulls there just are some absolute giants and i can just hone in on it but like i say i'm not going to get completely caught up on it you know if i find uh you know get some big old mature bulls then i'll be more than happy to play the game and 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 pursue them so i'm uh 
I, I did. I had a question for you on when you did that uh, that early hunt in Nevada. Like, did you experience any? Uh, were those bulls acting like aggressive towards each other, like pre rut? You know, uh, trying to find dominance. You know what I mean? Uh, fighting in amongst each other or beautiful or anything like that were they showing any aggression in that time frame that you were there no um they they really weren't they were running um pretty much i think i did see like one bull with some cows um at one point that was kind of hanging in the same area as the cows not really rutting them or hurting them uh, i didn't hear any any bugles like maybe a random bugle or something but no I uh, didn't really hear any bugles and didn't really see any posture for dominance yet. It seemed like a lot of the bulls were still hanging in bachelor herds, so groups of like three or three or four, and they were really like just hanging with each other. Or where I found bulls, like they may not be three or four bulls together, but there'd be three or four or five bulls in the canyons kind of hanging solo. So, I mean, I guess they were starting to split up a little bit. I found bachelor groups of bulls, but I also found uh, quite a few solo bulls that were starting to break off from the group. Um, but, no, I didn't see any okay. posturing. I didn't see any fighting. Uh, didn't see any of that yet. It just seemed like they had scraped their velvet they were hard-horned, and to be honest, it seemed like they were really focused on the food source. They were really focused on the, the greenest grass, the best feed, and and they were spending time, like, putting weight on, getting that feed, and then, you know, bedding in the shade during the day. And we did catch one that kind of bedded – we caught a couple that kind of bedded – you know, in open positions like a mule deer where you, you're watching them and all of a sudden they bed down and they're in a good spot for a stalk. So that happened a couple times, but the majority of times, man, it was like really tough hunting, like quick windows, like catch them feeding in the morning, but then they feed into some deep, dark timber. And then, you know, they come out, you know, with 30 minutes left of light and they come out in a different feature, come out in that meadow. But no, I really didn't see any rutting action, any bugling action, any posturing or fighting or anything like that. It it was just pretty much like the state you're watching them in now, I would think. Yeah. Did you did were you able to hunt them towards the very end of the season or Yeah, I think we gave it I think we gave it ten days and I think we pushed it towards that thirty first date. I'd have to you know, in okay. fact, I'm going to look at my dates as I'm talking to you just to make sure we're on the same dates. But I think it was the 15th to the 31st. I think we showed up at the 15th, and I think we hunted it for like 10, 11 days. So 26th, 27th, we peeled out. So we did hunt it close to the September 1st, but not in the last few days of the season. But no, we just didn't see much rutting activity at all. And also, the bulls just weren't hanging with the cows. Like where we found the bulls we're away from the cows and it sounds like the one big one that you have located now there's some cows around in the area uh i I didn't see a whole lot of that like maybe in the same region but it seemed like where we were finding the bulls were just like rougher more rugged country and then um you know where we found the cows was like more like the rutting grounds but yeah we just didn't see a move to the rutting grounds when we did it yeah okay yeah i was hoping you know like you know towards the end there they're maybe showing a little aggression towards each other and if i could find a bull in one of them thicker patches that i could slip in there and just uh do some raking or something like that and get them to come you know 
want to kick my butt. So yep, yep. And there's um like you might see that, and you know these are different units. They're like close to each other, but yeah, I just didn't see much of that where I was. But maybe as it gets closer to that end of the season, I'm looking at some photos now. So it was 2020 that I hunted it. And I'm seeing some hunt dates of like August 25th, um, you know, and then so I think we were right in that time frame. Here's yeah. an August 23rd and then August 22nd. Yeah. So I think we were like the August 20th. I think we were like the 15th to about the 27th or somewhere in those hunt dates. And, and we just um, we just didn't see much. They were mostly focused on the food source, just feeding and bedding. But you know they were patternable and like acted more like a a mule deer than a than a bull elk it seemed like yeah and that's kind of what i want i either want want them to be like straight up like in like a summer routine where you can really pattern them which will really work to my favor but that's that's what that gray area that kind of like makes me a little nervous where it's like they get to that point where they start feeling a little frisky and they might move you know so but i i think in the area that i the, the first spot that I've, I've scouted, like, I do think there's enough cows close. Like, I've seen quite a few cows that that they're not going to go far, so they should be there. Yeah, yeah, probably not traveling far to their rutting grounds, right? Like, their staging or their summer routine is, like, close to where those cows are. So you're right, even if they do start to transition, because... You're right. I've seen it in mule deer as it gets closer to the rut that those bucks start to stage in like um, stage like close to the rutting grounds. Like they move from their summer range to like their rut range and they're kind of like close to the rut range. So, yeah, I, I do see like your line of thinking there for sure. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. No, I'm stoked. I've I've just been doing everything I can to prepare myself the last couple of weeks. I've really focused on get my final bow tune and uh working on my final sight tape and that bow is just absolutely stacking them now so i feel like it's gonna i'm gonna be super confident come season so i'm pumped right on got that hoyt shooting that um those 3d courses the that lamper set up are sure good practice aren't they oh yeah yeah that's that's about as good as it gets right there so yep Good. Well, um, sight tape all dialed, bows all dialed. Yeah, not a doubt about it. Um, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be um, cutting these legs loose. It's nice to have like a like an August hunt to look forward to. It just extends the season, and now you really got to focus like a uh, with a premium elk tag in August. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna be a bit different for you, like not glassing up mule deer, glassing up elk. Um, and, and I think. Um, it sounds like you're finding some really good vantage points. I think that's going to be key for your later season hunts too, is to find those really good vantage points that show off a lot of country. It seems to like work really well in that, that late season and probably, you know, I think in that early season as well, like we use those tactics quite a bit where we were just finding, you know, the absolute master vantage point that showed off as much a country as possible. It was like more of that and less of like, working a ridgeline or glassing across a canyon just because you can't hear bugles uh, and and also, you know, be in that hot weather early or the late season where they uh, have a pretty tight program, like they're not going to show themselves for very long. So, I mean, I'm sure it'll be a combination of like mobile vantage points and hiking ridgelines and glassing, but I think those uh, master vantage points are going to be really key to your success. 
Oh yeah, that's 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 exactly what I'm putting all my effort in on these late season hunts is finding the best vantage points where I can find the elk, and then from at that point, then that's when I'm gonna hone in on a particular group of bulls or whatever. You know what I mean? So just like you're saying, like that uh, uh, forward thinking um, and coming up with a game plan ahead of time just always seems to help me. And it sounds like yeah, that's what you've done too. Just listening to you talk, that that's kind of how you think too so yeah it's um a good game plan can definitely uh make the difference between success or failure on those deals you know because um yeah it's like if you go about it the wrong way you're just wasting time and and time is like uh uh such a valuable commodity you know when you're on one of these hunts we're all like limited on days but yeah i can definitely see you know, like you're looking for every advantage. You've seen so much success over the years with your bow, but you know you're a student of the game and continuing put to push. So like, like this year running into you, you look um, really fit and like you've taken off some weight. And you were saying like you've adjusted your diet. It, like, um, it's those little things that make a difference. And especially as we start to get older, it's just like looking for you know, a percent or a half a percent advantage like of improvement to because once you get on a hunt, you have the skill set that you have. And so it's like working in this off season on your knowledge, uh, working on fitness and diet, like to, to be fit on these hunts and be able to grind and push hard, working hard on your shooting and your bow and getting it all dialed. Because once you get down there on this premium elk tag hunt, like you're left with the skill set that you've worked hard to, to create. But it, man, if you can just put in this time, like you're scouting and like put in this time in this off season, it, it just gives you such a better chance of success. And like, you know, you're constantly pushing for uh, more and better and to improve your skill set. I mean, it's part of the reason why uh, you have found success like all these years and you're just continuing to do it now, which is so impressive to me. Well, thank you. Yeah, I've. I've definitely been trying to sharpen my, my skills everywhere I can, you know, as I get older and get, uh, busier with work and, and, uh, just family and stuff like that. It's hard to, uh, just, just rest on what I've done in the past, you know, so I really find myself having to work hard for it. So hitting the gym and watching my diet and stuff like that is definitely going to benefit me in the long run, I think so. It does as we get older and more responsibilities. Yeah, like we're still a student of the game. We're working to improve our all our skill sets, but we have like a better handle on what it takes too, you know? And so it is like as far as like your hunting instincts and like how you react, like you know you've honed those over the years, you know? It, me and you have like failed every different way possible. We've learned a lot of hard lessons, and then we've also had a lot of success too. And so it's like drawing from that and your instincts. And yeah – as these years go on, like, you know, I notice like I get good time for hunting season and that's a priority to me, but I do have less and less time for scouting these units and these hunts, which, you know, I, I'm my, my, I'm the only one to blame. And I know that scouting directly ties to my success and the better feel I have for these units and these hunts, the better I do. But I, I just find myself like running out of time and, and, uh, you know, we're, we only have so much time. And so for me, it's like, well, prepare myself, you know, body, mind, shooting, prepare myself as good as I can be. And then, you know, a lot of these units that I'm going to, I've spent time in before. And really the best scouting is to be there during the season you're hunting. 
And so like a lot, like I'm going back to a mountain range that I've hunted a couple times this year for mule deer. So I've spent, you know, 20 days in there hunting that unit during the August, September timeframe. And so, you know, I can really draw upon that experience. So I don't really need to go down and scout the unit or spend, you know, three, four days of my vacation time down there scouting the unit. Uh, that may take away from my hunting time because I've spent time in that unit and, and spent that, that experience. But you're right, as we get so many obligations with family and uh, with work and then um, you know our hunting is a big priority, it does seem like we don't have as much free time as we had in our 20s where we just pretty much cut loose and went to the mountains every free chance we have. Like uh, it, We have to balance it with our responsibilities but also balance it with preparing ourselves and still trying to be successful. So uh, it's a tough balance being a family man and a provider for our families and husband and father and then also trying to be as good as we can be in the bow hunting w- woods. No doubt. So – no doubt. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, um, Travis, man, uh, you're the man. I'll definitely be pulling for your success this season. Uh, make sure to go check out Goat Knives and then also check out Travis's. Um, uh, seems like IG is where you keep up the best, huh, Travis? Yeah, I think so. Yep. Just I like to post all my hunting content and stuff there and kind of share with everybody. So it's always fun to see everybody's pictures and their stories and see how other people's seasons go, too. So definitely a nice platform. Yeah, man, there's um, there's a lot of guys working hard out there, isn't there? Oh, there is anymore. It's everybody's hitting the hards. Yeah. So you really gotta think outside the box and uh, take it next level to find success. So, and that's what I'm trying to do is keep up with everybody else. So. <laughs> well, uh, you're definitely doing that. I think you're leading the pack. We're trying to keep up with you. So yeah, I can't can't wait to see what you turn up this season. Uh, you sure have your home state, which is a difficult state to hunt of Idaho, super dialed in. So no doubt you'll be um, chasing critters in there as well and you're uh, in between your hunts. But yeah, man, I can't wait to see what you turn up on that premium early season, those couple late season tags post rut. Uh, I'm watching close not only to watch and cheer for your own success, but look at opportunities for the future as well, like you pulling the trigger on late season elk hunts, which I think is super cool. Man, it's going to be... It- it's going to be a good season. So the cool thing is I'm going to film a couple of those hunts. So hopefully I'll be able to share them. I've even got a, a moose hunt, so an Alaska bow hunt for moose. So that, that'll be an adventure in itself. So, Oh my gosh. How did I forget about that? I, I remember we talked about it. I just, um, uh, I remember the three elk tags, but I forgot that you have an Alaska trip. Well, that kind of works out good with your schedule. Like you say, you planned your application season pretty good where you didn't fill up your September with other hunts. So you're spending a bunch of days in Alaska, right? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'll be there for a couple of weeks anyway. And when you go on a trip like that, you definitely want to leave enough time for weather days and travel days and things like that. So it's definitely a, a big commitment but i'm looking forward to the opportunity so time is your friend on those adventures and those man those alaskan yukon moose are so big dude like what a great opportunity to go up and chase those things around and try to kill your big moose up there uh man they're unreal uh it seems like uh, the unit i was hunting was four brow tines or 50 inches wide is that like a place you're hunting as well 
Yeah, I think it's it's pretty similar. Yep. 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 It's tough, yeah. right? Because how do you judge 50 inch wide moose? You know, so he's actually got to be about 55 inches or 60 inches where there's just no doubt about it. But I think when I was judging those moose, I used like uh, they say their ear tip to tip spread when they're looking at you is 30 inches. Uh, and then their ear from the base to the tip is 12 inches. So, you know, okay. it's kind of like judging mule deer for you, which you've been doing your whole life, you know, as we kind of use like a 20 to 22 inch spread on the ears and then, you know, an ear is eight inches. And so we can kind of get a width off that. So yeah, for moose, 30 inches tip to tip. And then you figure an ear outside, so the ear is 12 inches. So if you were to add an ear on top of where that ear is, and he's like more than an ear width on either side wide, that would be 50 inches. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Yep. Uh, so yeah, you're. Uh, hopefully he just has four brow tines and he's 65 inches wide, and there's no doubt about it. Yeah, hopefully it's just a, an absolute monster, and then it won't be any questions. <laughs> yep. I think raking works really good for those cow calls. Like, I called a couple bulls in over there. It seemed like up higher on the system, they were kind of, like, migrating to their rutting grounds, and so I just catch bulls by themselves, like, moving country and end up, like, having to spot and stalk or run and gun on them a lot. Um, you know, it, so we did a river system. We floated 100 miles of river system. So up top, it was really good. It was like open terrain and vantage points, and you could glass. But then you just know you got 100 miles of river trip down below you. And so it's like, well, we'll start heading down. And like the first 20, 30 miles hunted really good. We'd stopped in different spots, and we did it right. We spent our time up high, but you just kept thinking, oh, I got to get to the takeout or the flyout zone, you know, 100 miles down river. So I felt like we had to keep checking off miles, and the lower we got, the tougher moose hunting it got because we got in thicker terrain. You couldn't see as many, you know, there's a lot of calling setups in that thick stuff, and then you just couldn't really tell, like, where the moose were hanging. Where up top, you saw tracks, and you saw scrapes, and you saw sign, and you saw moose. Uh, so, so that like, um, for, for my hunt, you know, I would definitely spend more time up top. Are you flying into one location? I think you said you're flying into a lake or hiking over from, from some spot, right? Yeah. We're going to fly in and get dropped off on a river system and do some floating too. Yeah. And then, uh, it's, it's, we're, we're not going a hundred miles or anything like that. So we'll be kind of just using the river in a general area, um, to hunt. So. Yeah, well, that's like their travel corridor is through those river systems. So, man, you'll do good. Like, what an awesome opportunity putting that together. You know, it's like, um, you know, we have these dream or bucket list hunts, but, you know, life passes by pretty quick. These years, they click off quick. And so you almost just have to pull the trigger and just go, yep, I'm doing this next year. Or, yep, I'm doing this one this, this next year. So good for you pulling the trigger on a giant moose hunt, man, and getting it done up there. Yeah. If it's always been on my list, and it's one of those things. It's like I better do it now, like just like you say. And it's just like I'm doing it, just pulling the trigger, and then you get it all planned, and then you draw all these elk hunts, and then you're like, oh crap, <laughs> <laughs> what, what have I gotten myself into? So now I've got a lot, lot, lot of commitments, you know. Um, it sounds like with your moose hunt, you know, the next time you do it, you're gonna, you know, have a lot better plan. Oh man. Going, 
Yeah, it was good so, moose hunting. Don't get me wrong. Like I, we saw ten bulls when we were there, a uh, handful of other cows and things. And so ten bulls in like ten or twelve days of hunting, and we saw some giants. It just I made moves on them and just never did quite catch up. I called in one big bull one yeah. night. Uh, that I called in the evening and then, you know, returned back to camp and I could hear this bull grunting and he was on the far side of the river and then he actually crossed the river and walked through our camp. It was just dark and we were trying to hide the campfire. We never did turn up that bull the next day. So the next year, uh, my buddy said, I'm going back. I'm using the knowledge that we gained and I'm going to go back and hunt this place. And I was like, oh, man, it was you know, it was quite a bit of money for me at the time. And I was just like, man, I can't do it another year. But he actually went back yeah. and I think he killed a 62 or 64 in that same flat where I'd called in that bull. So he used the previous knowledge and then, you know, came up with a better game plan and then ended up killing his big Alaskan Yukon moose. So yeah, man, I got to get back up and do it again and use that knowledge that I've gained up there. Oh, heck yeah. It's, it's crazy how much just going, on one hunt like what that'll do for you the next year you know what you you can take away from that so so true man on all these hunts right elk mule deer moose whatever it is we learn so much in a year of hunting it's um so advantageous when you can go back and hunt the same spots but um well travis uh man i really appreciate your time and jumping on i know you're super busy and trying to get your scouting and work done and family and everything else so uh man i just really appreciate your time uh, i had a blast hanging with you and um uh uh, chatting at the Western Hunting Summit, like I always have great conversations with you. So, man, I really appreciate you, and and uh, we'll be cheering for your success this season. Man, likewise, I, I appreciate having the opportunity to get on here and and uh, be able to chat with someone of your caliber and your knowledge. And it's cool to just be able to connect and make these friendships that uh, just carry on and, and help during my hunt. So, just talking to you a little bit. I mean, that's. That's just helped fuel my fire, so I, I appreciate it. So, oh, you're the man. We'll keep in touch. Um, ring me if you need anything, and um, yeah, I'll be keeping an eye on you this season. So uh, go have some fun. Heck yeah, let's check back in afterwards, and and we can talk about all my failure. So <laughs> failures and successes, I'm sure. So yeah, it sounds like a plan, man. <laughs> all right, we'll talk soon. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Fun conversation with Travis. I can't believe I almost forgot to talk over his do-it-yourself moose hunt in Alaska. Thank goodness he mentioned it there in the end and we got a chance to talk about it. But um, yeah, you're the bulls for that guy, man. He's got three limited entry elk tags and you can hear they're all so different. Uh, and and kind of his methods and strategy techniques that he's going to use while hunting them. So super pumped to see what that guy comes up with. He's just, um, he finds a way. He's consistently successful, and uh, I'm sure he'll turn up some great bulls. So uh, make sure to go give him a follow. He's got a great social media as well. And, um, man, uh, thanks again to our sponsors for today's show. Thanks again to Eastman's for their support. Uh, man, just running crazy here. Um getting things done and, and um, knocking out projects and things of that nature. So summers are always so busy for me, but uh, been running really strong. I got a good um, like daily run record going where uh, so many days in a row. So um, yeah, that's going really well. I've been running the mountains a bunch, a lot of high elevation, uh, gaining elevation, which has been good. So um, my legs are feeling pretty strong. I'm getting ready for a rest day here. So uh, we'll keep the run streak alive, at least for today, and then we'll see about a day off here this week. 
And um, man, shooting's going really good. Bo is absolutely dialed. Uh, man, I just don't have too much more to get ready. Just um, get my work done and responsibilities taken care of and cut these legs loose for an adventure. So um, it all starts off for uh, in August for me. So super excited and just working hard and trying to prepare myself and get ready for these days of field where I get to go for it. So I'm um, super pumped. Just um, finished up. Maybe you guys heard that last podcast in Hawaii. That was a super, super fun trip and a great warm up for season. So yeah, that um, that Matthews is absolutely shooting. So um, yeah, with that, uh, busy week here. We'll get some stuff done. Get these podcasts out to you guys and um, check in with you next week.